Hello, and welcome to the High Performing Director Podcast, a podcast with the purpose of enriching our personal and professional lives, both in and outside of the music education environment. My name is Chris Griffoff, a band director from Carmel, Indiana, and I want to help you take control, manage your time, grow your confidence, and take your program to the next level. Join me on this journey to becoming a high performing director. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the High Performing Director Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome our first guest to the program, Dr. Krista Keeble, Assistant Professor of Music Education at the University of Central Arkansas. As part of the interviews conducted on the High Performing Director podcast, I'll be asking my guests what their one thing is that they are currently most passionate about that they want to share with our listeners. And Dr. Keeble's one thing is in the area of health and wellness for music educators. Her published research on this topic and others can be found in the Journal of Music Teacher Education, Research Studies in Music Education, the Music Educators Journal, and the Journal of Research in Music Education. Today, we'll be discussing her research in the area of health and wellness, specifically focusing on her article in the June 2019 edition of the Music Educators Journal entitled, Health and Wellness for In-Service and Future Music Teachers, Developing a Self-Care Plan. I'd like to thank both Sage Publications and NAFME for providing our listeners free access to her article through the link located in the show notes for this episode. Being a music educator demands a lot of our time, and this demand can often lead to stress, burnout, depression, and even teachers leaving the profession. This topic is one of the main reasons I wanted to create this podcast. We will discuss what health and wellness in music education looks like, signs to look for that we may be stressed, the struggle we face to say no to something we are asked to do, ideas on ways we can fit wellness into our busy schedules, and if you are beginning to realize you may be feeling stressed or burnt out, what options may be available to you to receive some help. And you may be thinking, I'm fine, I'm busy, I'm not stressed, it's just part of my job to be busy. I don't really need to listen to this. Well, I challenge you to listen to this episode and to read Dr. Keeble's article, as we also discuss that sometimes we may not even be aware that we are actually stressed. Being a high-performing director means being the best you so you can be the best for others. And to do that, you have to take care of yourself first. Here is my interview with Dr. Krista Keeble. I'm excited to have Dr. Krista Keeble as a guest on today's episode of the High Performing Director Podcast. This is even extra special as you're my first guest on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So first, what led you to wanting to study and conduct research on health and wellness in music education? Yes. So I know you like to ask um, what what the one thing is uh, in music education, but I had really three points in my career that led me to this one thing. Um, so one was some difficulty I experienced when I was an undergraduate. Um, I was having a hard time adjusting from, you know, being away from home. A lot of things were happening. Uh, being a music education undergraduate student is very challenging. Um, so that was kind of one point where I experienced a, a level of burnout. Um, also, in my first year of teaching, I would say that I experienced some symptoms of burnout um, during that difficult time that I described earlier. And then the, my third point that kind of really is what led me into this research um, area is when I was in uh, graduate school for my PhD, um, we were noticing, my mentor and I were noticing a number of peers and colleagues that were feeling, um, distrib- ex- experiencing uh, symptoms of being overwhelmed, the pressures of school and career um, uh, and advanced studies. So 
During that time, uh, Dr. Lisa Copes at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio, is my mentor, and she invited me to join an, uh, an article with her, um, and that is when we started looking at the mental health of music students. So we asked the participants to complete um, a, a, a scale that already exists, um, uh, depression, anxiety, and stress scale, and also answer some open-ended questions about their mental health and mental health literacy, um, which is how well you know your resources. From there, you know, research is great, but one of the concerns of research is that it's not accessible to people who are doing these things that we're researching. So I wanted to make a more practitioner-friendly version of this information and worked on creating more of a toolkit um, for um, music educators and music education students. And so I created this presentation that then actually became the framework for the MEJ article that was published over the summer. And then also after that, I've started working on a study with Dr. Michelle McConkie, and we have been examining stress coping mechanisms of music education students and how that aligns with the framework of emotional competencies. So certainly this is a thing that, you know, started with maybe a thought it might be one study and now it's kind of persisted as what I would consider one of the strands of my research. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, this issue of, of wellness, I, I think, is becoming way more mainstream. With that in mind, can you kind of explain the what and the why of health and wellness in general, and then obviously specifically kind of in music education? Right. So um, one thing I do want to mention um, that I do mention in the article, and that's really important that people know is I am not a medical professional. So I am a doctor, but not the kind who can help in medical emergencies. Uh, my PhD is in music education. Um, so, uh, you know, there are great resources for people who are experiencing severe um, symptoms. And I'll mention some of those, I'm sure, as we talk. Um, but absolutely, what I'm sharing is based on my own experiences and my research in music education. But if you are feeling... Um, you need more help than that. Definitely seek mental um, mental health counseling or medical professionals for uh, more information on things like that. Um, so, in terms of the what and the why of health and wellness, um, the what I think we're seeing is that both in-service and pre-service music educators are facing these heightened degrees of anxiety, stress, and depression, which lead to burnout and, unfortunately, attrition. Um, so why is this happening? I think it, you know, relates. We have, there's a lot of expectations on music teachers and students. Um, music ed students I see all the time are balancing the teacher-student performer identity. Um, they're also dealing with increased independence, planning for their future. Their relationships are evolving. Um, they're thinking a lot about what comes after school and kind of that safety net as well. And music teachers face um, some similar demands, especially early career. Um, and we also have a very public job, you know, especially with a performance-based and um, uh, nature of our job. And then kind of to add to that a little bit is the, so what? Like, so what do we do about this? And that's what I'm hoping to kind of find some answers to in my research. Um, and the work that I do now is very much based on um, working with undergraduate music education students. But my hope is that if I talk about this and make this a very open conversation when they're in the phase of being undergraduates, that they're able to form some healthy habits that when they're 
um, experiencing the high stress times of both their degree program and when they enter the field, they have healthy habits to return to um, so that they might hopefully, um, you know, have some more longevity in the in the um, field. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things, the next question is kind of basically, so what are the signs of stress in music education? And I know as teachers, because of the expectations that you were just talking about, uh, that idea that that just being busy is just directly tied into what we do in music education, either as a performer, as an undergrad, as a teacher, that we might not even really even notice or be aware that we are stressed. You know, there's that idea like, oh, I'm just stressed out. It's contest this week. And we just kind of take that for granted because it's kind of the expected thing. So how, how, what are some signs of stress when we might need to know, we might need to know as an educator that, man, this might just be a little bit more than the normal stress that we might be feeling that comes with our profession. Right. So um, we're doing this interview at about mid to, uh, midterm time for me. So um, for me personally, and everybody might experience stress in different ways. So for me personally, I've noticed over the last few weeks, uh, my patience is definitely wearing thin. So that is a time when I notice that stress is high for me. Also, this feeling that I've observed um, recently, it, you know, we are in a helping profession and there have been times where I have maybe not wanted to offer help to people. And to me, that's a time where I, okay, I need to stop and check in. Um, you know, a lot of conversations about self-care revolve around um, you have to fill your own cup before you can fill others. You have to put your oxygen mask on, mask on first um, before you help others doing that. So I'm noticing that I'm not taking good enough care of myself if I'm feeling these things. Um, among students, it can be missing class, sleeping in class, changes in work habits. And I think some of the biggest signs are those changes um, in behavior. Um, and there's a lot of information online about stress. But one thing I do want to, one great organization that I want to point out, um, that if stress is starting to feel like more than stress, um, and it might be a, the beginnings of a mental health concern, there's an organization called the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, NAMI. Um, sometimes college campuses have or, uh, collegiate chapters of these, but they're a national organization as well. And they have some amazing online resources. They have great visuals um, that, you know, if those are things you want to have posted um, and things like that, just a wealth of information about mental health and wellness. Yeah, that's great. And, and one thing I want to go back to that you, that you just said, too, is this idea of, you know, filling up your own cup first, taking care of yourself first. Um, I think one of the things that teachers don't realize is that stress doesn't just affect you. And as you just mentioned, it can affect your students and it can affect, affect your performance in, in your job. And a lot of times teachers, I, I, I think sometimes realizing, you know, why are my kids not staying in band? Why am I not retaining? And you kind of have to take a look at, you know, the stress could be causing you to be a person that's putting a negative cloud over what you're doing in your your job, which why would anybody want to be around that and could be leading and affecting your students' performance, not on how they're playing their instruments or singing or doing anything performance-based, but basically on how you are being around around your students. And, and that's a, a really important topic that I know I'll be bringing up in future episodes of the podcast. So I'm really glad that you, you, you mentioned that. And you know, we also kind of talked about time. And one of the things we're going to talk about in, in the podcast kind of in, in the future is this idea that time really is a music educator's resource. 
you know, you can't in, in college, you're not getting paid. So t time is time is the time that you're trying to get your degree. But when you become a, a certified teacher and you have a job, we're not, there's nothing we can do in our jobs besides doing more that we're going to make more money than where we are on the teacher scale at that given time. So money is not really our commodity in teaching. And, and I think what we have to look at is the idea that time is really our main focus on what we have control of and kind of looking at it as time is money and only we're not earning any money with our time. We're just taking care of ourselves, choosing the balance. Um, so if you can just maybe as we're talking about the signs of stress, maybe real quick on something about balance and time and how, how can we say yes, say no to the things that we're being asked to do? How can we balance those things a little bit better and why could that be important? Yeah, that's a really tricky one. And I, you know, that is just a tricky thing as an educator, as a music educator, especially an early career music educator, where you are feeling like, I need to do these things so that I can keep my job and that I can show everyone that I can do my job well. Um, you know, and it's, I'm fairly new as a music teacher educator as well. So I understand that. And I've been there um, in the, in the K to 12 classroom as well. Um, but I think you, we might all reach that point where we've said yes to so many things that we're not doing any of them well. And that can be both professionally and personally. Um, and we, you know, it's important to me to make sure that I'm uh, maintaining relationships with friends and family, that I'm taking care of myself so that I can be present for my students. So I understand that it's very, the idea of saying no to a lot of teachers and especially music teachers is laughable, really. Um, but I think uh, the more we can learn to advocate for ourselves um, and and, you know, say yes to what we can and do what we can do well, but also think about at what cost. Um, and, and, and that's great that you said advocate for yourself. And I also think that could include educate, you know, sometimes talking correct. to your your administrators that the expectation is you're going to do every football game for the marching band. You're going to you have to do the musical that may you may or may not be getting paid anything extra for that's outside of school hours. That does take a lot and, and trying to help your administrators as best you can and not feel bad about talking to them in a professional way that's saying, Hey, I just want you to let you know, here are the hours that I'm spending on this and, I, and it's starting to affect me and we can't be afraid. And we're going to kind of talk about a little bit of, of how to advocate for yourself here in, in, in just a minute. Uh, but I think that's also an important thing that can be tough because a lot of the times you say, no, well, this is part of your job. This is what's been done. This is, you know, how do we move past those things that have just been accepted for, for so long? And it is really such a tough, uh, a tough thing to kind of change our thoughts on. And that kind of leads us to, in your article, you state, and I want to quote you here, that we need to be more transparent about mental health and wellness in the music teaching profession. And I believe a lot of us music teachers realize, again, that we're always stressed. And I think we may not realize just how much the stress of the job is affecting us. So how can we be more transparent? What can teachers or music education majors do to help themselves? Right. So this is, this is a big question. Um, one thing that I think a lot about is how to find ways to take care of ourselves that we're able to maintain. I think a lot of the idea of what self-care is, is very, some people use the term woo-woo, or that's for people who can afford massages and vacations and um, or it's only for a certain group of people, but we all have to take care of ourselves. So I've been really focusing on thinking about how 
I can do that in a way that I can maintain and sustain. So instead of I'm going to have this period of great uh, self-care and then it's going to go by the wayside, how can I even out the ebbs and flows? So when I start to notice I'm a little off, I can return to it. Um, One thing I think a good way to start um, is to just kind of think about where you are and maybe what areas of your life might need some additional attention. Um, To refer back to that MEJ article, um, there's a self-care assessment in there, which kind of helps identify, okay, in these various areas, I might be doing better than others, Um, which might sound overwhelming. You might think, okay, I'm not eating well. I'm not taking care of myself physically. I'm not resting when I'm sick and, 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 and. Um, But even just starting with one of those things as a way um, to start to start uh, working on some new habits. Um, Another thing is creating a solid support system and, um, or maybe even just an accountability buddy, especially working in a school, you probably already have a connection of people that you're working with. How can you work with them maybe on some positive self-care goals? Kind of like we talked about before, considering what's on your plate before taking on new tasks. Um, I was speaking with an undergraduate student earlier today, and and she said, I need to work on um, just responding right away. And I said, yes, you can take a minute and tell someone that you need to think about your answer for a question. So maybe it's the same thing if someone's asking you um, to do something else. Find some information, take a minute to think about it. Then you might still say yes, but um, it could just give you a minute to think about it. And I think another thing that's really difficult for a lot of us is to ask for help when we need it. So that might be, as you were mentioning earlier, having a conversation with administration about the responsibilities that you have. That might be sharing some things with colleagues if you need to, a personal support system system from friends and family, um, and also seeking medical help if, if you need it. Um, there's lots of resources available. Um, so depending on where you're at in your, as some people say, self-care journey. Um, there's lots of things that you might want to start with. A, a big aha moment I just had just listening to you answer that question. I, I love how you said something to create a plan, something that you can maintain, that you can continue to do. And, and you mentioned vacations. And, you know, I just thought about that. And I was like, yeah, you know, we always look forward to these vacations. And then the thought I had was like, how is that maintaining? Because you know, sometimes you go a month or two months before you have that one extra day off or you have that opportunity. I mean, most people probably take a vacation a year. What, how is that going to help you? Get, that's great for that moment. And we can look forward to that. And it's awesome to have that. But how does that help you the rest of the 350 days that you're not on vacation? And that's right there giving you 15 days of a, of a vacation, which who can really do that um, in the United States here for, for a vacation? So um, I, I think that's really important. And I think something that, you know, for me, that's a little eye-opening is how can we maintain, you know, you think about health and working out and you think about, well, I, you know, I want to do these 90 day workouts with Beachbody and love them to death. And you're like, man, I just got to, how could, can I maintain that? And, and something you said in your article is that everybody's wellness plan is going to look different. And can you kind of expand on that? Cause you just kind of talked about that a little bit. You kind of hinted on that. And I think that's important because you see some people that go do this and they're the happiest people in the world or at least they look like that on the outside. And I think that's one of the things is we, we don't know what's really happening with anybody on, on the inside. Um, but talk a little bit about what does that mean that everybody's wellness plan can be different? 
Sure. So a thing I say a lot in presentations is, you know, you do you. So um, a lot of times I think, especially in terms of health and wellness, there a lot of the word should enters our vocabulary. I should run. I should um, go to the gym more. I should eat this or that. Um, and a lot of kind of related to also what you're saying is we see that a lot in media and social media and what people are presenting is what they're presenting, but that might not be what works for us. Um, so, you know, you might say, like I mentioned a second ago, oh, I should go running. But if you hate running, don't go running. Go take a walk with your friend or your dog or um Maybe being in nature is really healthy for you and that makes you feel good, um, finding time to do that. So I think the biggest thing is taking everyone else's expectations out of it and just focusing on what actually makes you feel good. No one needs to judge your self-care um, and just making sure that it's really about what you are needing, which can be really difficult, especially with the way society works today and the public nature of a lot of things that we do. Um, but uh, one person's self-care is not is not another. So, you know, I think it's less about aiming for perfection, which is what we can often put on ourselves. I have to go to the gym this many days of the week. And if I miss one, then it, that's the end of that that's not the case. Go tomorrow. You know, you, you miss one day and that's okay. Um, so it, it kind of ties back into that maintenance, but also, um, you know, I'm not going to maintain, um, I keep using exercise as a, as an example, but you know, I can't maintain going seven days a week cause I won't feel good. Um, and I don't have the time. <laughs> good for you. If you do, you know, we see a lot of people who are doing hour long hours, plural, in some cases, long experiences of self-care. I don't have that time in my day. So I'm going to make what works for my schedule and I'm going to schedule it. My self-care is in my calendar, like any other appointment um, or meeting that I have. And I make sure that I make that time and I make that meeting with myself. Yeah. Why, why I try to do something you're supposed to relax you or help you out relax. It actually causes you more, more stress. But I, I think that's a right. great point because and you, I mean, running is a great one. There's people that love it and they'll do it. And I, you know, I enjoy running, but it's, I can't go long distances. It's just the, how, how, you know, I'm, I'm made, I guess, in that, in that way. And, and why do something that's just going to stress you out even, even more, you know, take, taking your dog for a walk or going to a dog park or, or taking a walk with a friend, you're doing the same thing. You're out, you're moving, it's healthy. You feel better. It gives you a chance to think. doesn't have to be the thing that everybody thinks is the thing that you should be. You should be doing it, and I think that's a great, right. um, a great point. And my next question is: Is there something that our listeners can even try to do as soon as they listen? Something. A lot of the things you're talking about are kind of changes in the way that you're thinking about wellness and yourself. And sometimes, those, as we all know, change is not something that can happen uh, immediately. But what would be a good starting point? You mentioned a second ago about you actually plan your wellness into your schedule. Um, how does that help? If you want maybe talk a little bit about that, or is there something even easier that, a, that, sure. a, that a listener can just get off this podcast, reflect a little bit and say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this right now. Right. Um, so a, a big form of self-care for me is actually my calendar. I am a very schedule oriented person. So having that organized is very important to me. 
I know when I'll work on certain things. I know when I'll be focusing just on myself, on other people, on students, um, on things like that. Um, so I'll share mine as an example in a, in a second. But one, I think maybe one of the first things is kind of just to check in with yourself. How are you feeling right now? Is there one area that you know needs a little bit more of attention? Is it your spiritual self? Is it your mental or emotional self? Is it your physical self? Um, you might need, you know, I live very far away from my uh, friends and family because I'm not from um, Arkansas where I live now. Um, so I need to make phone calls sometimes and kind of make sure that I'm checking in on those relationships. So one thing that the listeners could do is they might call somebody or text somebody that they've been thinking about and just haven't done it um, in a long time. It might be taking an evening to yourself. Um, sometimes it's sometimes for me, especially it's saying no to social things and making sure I get time to myself. Um, it could be maybe making that doctor or therapy or even, you know, to get a haircut appointment that you've been putting off and get that on the calendar. Um, I think maybe looking a little bit bigger is, you know, where could you fit some consistent time into your schedule? Could you, instead of sitting at your, I'm saying this and I'm guilty of this every single day, can you, instead of having lunch at your desk, working on things, can you go eat lunch outside with a friend or go take a walk around your building or campus? Um, maybe not every day because you, that could be stressful, but maybe could you do it one day a week? Um, that's one thing I've started doing this semester is I have a lunch, lunch with a friend one day a week. Um, and the one thing that I've been doing this semester, which again, it's not going to work for everybody, but I've been actually waking up an hour earlier than I need to so that I have some time in the morning that's just for myself when it's very quiet. Um, I use that time to journal or read or meditate. I like to do crosswords in the morning. Um, so some people might say, I can't do that because I need the sleep. Whereas I'm willing to sacrifice that in order to have some awake time to kind of center my center myself before the day really begins. Um, so those are a few suggestions, but there's plenty more out there. And I'm sure a lot of things that um, I have not thought of as well. Yeah. And I think one thing I'm hoping to that listeners get out of our conversation is that I think number one, it's okay that you if you feel stress and you're not feeling good about yourself. Yes. I mean, we don't, it's not okay in the sense that that's how you want to be feeling, but it's not something that you need to hide. And, and the more you can get it out and be aware, awareness is really kind of what we're talking about is being aware that you're busy and it's okay. It is okay to take care of yourself and do something for you. You know what? You're, you're working out. You've been doing such a great job. There's that ice cream in the fridge. Go grab some sit down, watch a movie and enjoy it. You earn it. I mean, we, we work so hard, um, in our profession and everything that we do that sometimes it's just so easy to get bogged down by the negatives that are going on or the email that we just got that should have been a meeting, but it was an email or, you know, we were in an email that should have been in, uh, yes. or in a meeting that should have been an email. And that's all this time <laughs> and stuff that we've got to, we've got to do. Um, so I, I think it's important that a, it's okay that you feel like this. Um, second, be aware of it and then know that you can do something um, about it. And, and finally, the last little thing that I just want to focus on is you, you also mentioned in your article, and I thought this was, this was brilliant because I don't even, I would not even known that this was a possibility, but that teachers can actually possibly utilize both kind of their health insurance 
as well as your school system might actually have healthcare professionals that are employed by the school system that you can um, use as a teacher. You know, we're so student focused and we think about these things that our school has for our students, but sometimes we're actually able to utilize um, a lot of these things for ourselves. Could you just talk a little bit about that? Right. So I know that this is not the case everywhere. So I fully understand that, but I think it's at least worth investigating. So I work on a college campus and we do have counseling services um, that have been open to um, faculty to use for a limited number of meetings. Um, And when that is not available, they are also able to recommend some other resources for us to attend. Also, often um, your insurance will probably have an in-network, um, uh, you know, you're able to see mental health care providers for just a copay, which I know is not nothing. Um, but you, if you are needing to see a counselor or a therapist, um, there might be some options there that maybe you're not aware of um, because those things are very expensive, but there might be some more reasonable options for people. And I think that's maybe one of the hardest way, um, ways that we need to ask for help sometimes. But um, if you are working somewhere where there are some mental health professionals, they will at least guide you to some resources that might work for you. Um, and same thing with insurance. So it's worth investigating um, both of those if that is something that you need to use. Yeah, excellent. And and I know you, you mentioned in your article, too, that you just talk about ways that you have, as a college professor, have started to just integrate the idea of talking about wellness and stress management with the students within your, your own class. And you talk about it in the article, and we don't need to um, talk about it because our listeners can obviously read, read the article, which I, I totally highly recommend that you do. Um, and, and it just kind of goes back to, I, I think that's super important because I know I wouldn't be comfortable currently. This is new for me, um, thinking about my own wellness and reflecting on how I feel and how that can help my students. And I, I think those ideas do need to be implanted as as early as possible. And, and I, I just really um, commend you for for taking that on and doing that in your in your own way. Uh, so thank you for that. And before we go, just real quick, who or what's inspiring you today? Um, I, ha- I have a few. Um, so one, you know, I'm, I know I'm speaking to a lot of music educators right now, and I send all my undergraduates out to work with music educators. And thank you if you are someone who uh, sees undergraduate students or graduate students, if you welcome them into your classroom, you are inspiring. Um, and it's so fun to see what those teachers are doing. I also get to work with some excellent, wonderful students. I um, teach children who are, you know, from all ages, um, young elementary students all the way up through my college students. Um, so they're very inspirational and in seeing um, the passion that they're bringing uh, into the music education field. And also my colleagues in higher ed, I love hearing about the innovative ways that they're teaching our future music educators as well. Excellent. And can our listeners contact you if they're interested in doing so, if they have any questions? Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm, I hope that you'll share my email in some capacity. I have plenty of references and presentations that I've given. I'm open to discussing, um, you know, if 
people want me to speak in other capacities, I'm welcome to do that as well. Um, and you've mentioned my MEJ article. Thank you for doing that. Um, so that's a good resource to kind of start with. But I'm happy to talk about this as much as I can. It's something that's so important to me personally and professionally. Um, so I want to make sure that um, it's a conversation that we keep having because I think it is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not a problem at all. We'll definitely put your, your email on the um, episode notes as well as uh, some of the links that you mentioned in your article. Uh, Dr. Kibble, I just want to thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I, I think all of your work and research on this topic is, is fantastic. It's something that's uh, it's really needed. And I, and I do hope that our listeners today will realize that they can do something about the way that they feel and that they can feel better. Uh, thanks for being our, our first guest here on the, the High Performing Director podcast. It's just been an honor talking with you. And thanks for your passion and helping us all with our health. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Dr. Keeble on today's episode. I do believe this is such an important topic for us to discuss in music education. Please take a few minutes to read her article in the Music Educators Journal. A link to the article was provided by Sage Journals and NAFME and can be accessed in the show notes for this episode. Within the article is a simple self-care assessment that may be able to give you a better idea of your current self-care status as well as a way to create your own personalized self-care plan. I've also provided Dr. Keeble's email address if you have any questions and would like to contact her. Thanks so much for listening and be on the lookout for my next episode where I will talk about balance and our main commodity in music education, time. Thank you for taking the next step to becoming a high performing director.